What do you think? I think we're dead meat. Real dead meat. Go ahead and laugh, you guys. Find the final little glasses of business. They're dead meat. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Dead Meat Podcast, an extension of the YouTube channel Dead Meat. I'm James. And I'm Chelsea. And we're boyfriend and girlfriend. And we like to get scared together. And we have to be very quiet today because we're reviewing A Quiet Place. Yeah. Although we're not going to actually do that this entire no. podcast. That would be really annoying. But... That's what we're doing today is a special bonus episode. We're reviewing A Quiet Place, which is out in theaters right now. Yeah. So what we'll do is we will do a little review up at the top where we don't spoil anything. We give our pretty general thoughts and then we're going to spoil the entire fucking thing. So get out and don't complain. We ruin the movie. Yeah. So if you're looking to see this movie and don't want it spoiled, but still maybe want to hear like, is it any good? You can listen for the next five minutes and then we'll give a big heads up when we're about to get into our usual run through of the entire movie and all the details and all that stuff right yeah we both have printouts of the wikipedia synopsis <laughs> next to us so we're gonna go through the entire thing it's a very detailed plot synopsis for yeah a movie i was surprised for a new out. movie mm -hmm. so it's john krasinski and his real life wife emily blunt and they're living in 2020 in a world where there aren't really any other people around and they have to be super quiet is that all we want to give away about the plot? I think so. I went in not knowing anything about yeah. it other than, you know, seeing the trailers. So that's as far as we'll tell you uh, for the plot. Just they have to be quiet. Mm -hmm. They have to be real quiet. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen the trailer, you've yeah. probably... Uh, it's a great trailer. It is a really good trailer. Yeah, it got um, me super excited. Don't bring snacks <laughs> because here's the tragedy of a quiet place. Uh, it's a quiet movie. I decided, and I don't do this often i decided to sneak in mcdonald's french fries yep and i was so excited that we left early enough for us to go through the drive-thru and get french fries for me to put under my sweatshirt so i could bring them in and those french fries were so loud the bag was so crunchy that i just had to set them down on the floor and i didn't yeah. eat them and they got cold yeah and cold french fries are gross. Yeah. I will say our theater was very well behaved. Mm -hmm. um, it was a it was a 10 o'clock Thursday night. Big crowd screening. for... Huge crowd. For a Thursday horror. Yeah. Because this is just another one of those horror movies that uh, approaches the genre in a new way. Yeah. And it just... It has thematic elements to it. A lot of stuff about family yeah. uh, that I was reading into. I think John Krasinski and Jordan Peele in retrospect, are going to be looked at as two people who, in this moment we're having with horror, are going to be looked at as two people who went to horror after they were already successful because they saw the potential in horror and I think are going to inevitably change a lot of people's minds about the genre. Yeah, and I think that their, uh, their films can also give a lot of credit to stuff like The Babadook, yes. uh, The Witch... Mm -hmm. uh, other other movies that approach the genre in a more, I guess, high-minded fashion. It's more like, I think the way they approach, yeah, horror is a bit more sparse. They're slow burn movies. Yeah. They take their time. They really think about what it is that they're trying to say with these movies. The horror isn't just 
you know, face value horror. There's always another layer to what's going on. And they're movies that trust their audience. Yes. Uh, trust the audience to like be okay holding off on like big thrills mm-hmm. and trust the audience to understand uh, the things that they're doing without having to spell it all out explicitly, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, it's really cool kind of doing this horror channel in this moment where horrors, I think this decade, we're going to look back and be like, this was such a good decade for horror. Yeah. I get so mad when people are like, horror sucks. Now. No, yeah, horror is no. amazing. Horror right is now. Are you maybe kidding? the best it's ever been right now. It's, it's, I think it's honestly like horror is the genre that makes me go to the movies. I want to go see these movies in a theater. And I think that's so cool. Yeah. There's something, you know, I, I think this movie could be hit or miss with an audience because again, it's a very quiet movie. So if you have people talking and eating Ooh. loudly, making crunchy sounds, I could see how that would get frustrating. And I saw some people on Twitter complaining about shitty audiences, but oh man, our audience was very well behaved and it was so fun to see in a big group because everyone was so tense yeah. and you could tell everyone was very aware of how noisy they were. <laughs> yeah. So it'd be worth seeing in a theater For because sure. the sound design is just so good. Yeah. And you don't want to have to be sitting there with a remote uh, adjusting your, your volume because most of the movie's quiet and then the loud parts are, yeah. you know, they're loud. I would say it's very jump scare heavy. And I like to give warnings about that because i hate jump scares so i was miserable this entire movie i loved it but it was a movie where i was so tense the whole time that i was ready for it to be over (laughs) i would say eight out of ten on the jump scare scale maybe (laughs) ten is like i shit my pants and had to ask a manager to clean it up or something is ten sinister (laughs) yes ten is sinister (laughs) fuck that movie fucking hate Bagul. I hate him so much. Yeah. That's our name. We call him Spooky Face. Spooky Face. Sucks. I will say going into it uh, to set, because I'll say that the the one thing that made me a little bit confused about how I felt about the movie after we saw it, I don't think my expectations for the scale of the movie were properly calibrated. I think I was expecting a wider look at the world that we had. Yeah. I had the exact opposite. So I would say don't go into it expecting that. Expect a family-focused film just yeah. about these people that we're watching because uh, I think for a long time during the movie, I was waiting for it to zoom out a little and for us to see more implications of the premise and the setting, and that never happened, Yeah, which is fine. That's totally cool. I think the movie's great and perfect. I can't wait to watch it again knowing the scale of it. It's very single location survival horror. Yeah. Uh, Krasinski has actually said he cited Alien as one of his influences. I saw Alien Jaws. I think he cited it as another example. Uh, no Country for Old Men. Did he really? He did. Yeah. I Which could, is interesting. Okay. I could see that. <laughs> I could see in terms of tone especially. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. So yeah, the tone of it is it's a... Um, I was going to say somber. I don't know. I don't know if that's right. Survivalist, I guess. Yes. I'm trying to think of a good movie to compare it to. If you saw it comes at night, very similar. Oh, okay. Um, not, not in a way that I think either of them borrowed from each other. I think that they just happen to be, 
they hit the same kind of emotional place, I think. Yeah. And they have kind of the same vibe and there's very much the same mentality kind of feeding both those movies. But if you saw that movie and you hated it and then you hear us comparing it to it and you're like, well, I don't want to see it. No, no, it's, no, no. No, I, I mean in terms of setting and tone. Uh, Yeah, we recommend it. Go see it. Yeah, like... It, Highly, highly recommended. You can, and I think you can watch the trailer without having anything spoiled. Usually, I tend mm -hmm. to avoid trailers because I like to have like super fresh slates going in. Uh, feel free to watch this trailer or not, but yeah, go check it out. The trailer, I'll say, you know, having seen the trailer, the first, you know, few minutes of that movie kind of addresses, you know, everything you've seen in the, you know, any questions you have. So then you really are just like, all right. What is the rest of this movie? You know, yeah. it, it does a good job at not spoiling what's for sure. I think uh, 20 minutes in the movie, you've seen everything that you saw in the trailer. Yeah, essentially. Mm -hmm. So go check it out. And uh, now we're going to get into the spoiler. Now we're going to spoil it all. aspect of it. So if you've seen it or if you don't care about spoilers, which I don't know, I don't get that. But, some, you know, different strokes. Uh, welcome to this part of the review where we go over it more in depth. Mm hmm. So, it opens uh, on day 89 of this oh, I forgot that there's days. Yeah, that because was the rest so of the effective. movie takes place like on 472. Yes, so, like on that over a day. year later than this opening scene. Yep. Um, this opening scene uh, is, is scavenging in a store with mm -hmm. the family of five. <laughs> yes, family <laughs> of five and immediately... You're thinking if you've seen the trailers. I don't remember three kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm. That the pharmacy. So they're, they're scavenging in a pharmacy. One of the kids is sick. Um, it reminded me of that scene in the mist, which immediately I was on guard. Yeah. It was like it's a creepy ass abandoned pharmacy. Um, and we find out that their oldest child, their daughter is deaf. Hey guys, it's Chelsea. So we totally blew it at this part. Reagan is wearing a cochlear implant in this movie, not a hearing aid. We start referring to these things interchangeably, which they're not. They're extremely different. It's also pronounced cochlear and not cochlear, like we do a few times. We're a mess. I'm sorry. Okay, back to the show. She has a, uh, is it a cochlear implant or is it just a hearing aid? I think it is a cochlear implant. Okay. Cochlear implant? Cochlear? Cochlear? I think cochlear. No, no. no. But yeah, and the actress Millicent something, I think. I Do you have it? it cool. We've got our little notes. Um, Millicent Simmons yeah. uh, is uh, deaf, hard of hearing. Which is uh, great because uh, Krasinski says, and you can read this on the Wikipedia article, but he says he wanted to cast a deaf actress just so uh, she could properly convey that experience and teach them. Yeah. Uh, you know, you never want to like misrepresent a person's uh, perception and experience in life and yeah. just use it for, yeah. for a plot point. So yeah. I think that's very important and, and cool. I think too that that authenticity of her having lived that experience lends so much weight in scenes where she's upset or she is mad at one of the parents or where she's feeling these very basic human emotions where she's she's expressed those feelings before in the way that she has to do in this film because that is how she communicates. And I think when you have someone who isn't hard of hearing trying to portray a role like that, there's that block because 
you're not bringing your own authentic experience to that. I just think it's cool having someone who has felt those feelings and has communicated those feelings like she does. Mm -hmm. Like one of my favorite scenes is where she's mad at John Krasinski um, and they're kind of arguing back and forth and the choreography of it is so good. The one where he's trying to give her the new. He tries to give her a new hearing aid and she's telling him to stop like and I just thought that scene wouldn't have the impact if you don't have a kid that has been in that place before, you know? Yeah. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And I mean, I don't think we've said it all right, but the acting is, is great. Yeah. The kids are characters. so good. The kids are great. Uh, Krasinski and Blunt are obviously consummate professionals. Yeah. And I mean, that's pretty much the cast. There's, we see uh, an older man. Oh, my, fuck that, that guy. That guy's guy. scary. Yeah. And then the cute God. little kid. And he reminded it. me of an It Follows person. <laughs> yeah. When he was like rearing up to scream, he like, it seemed like his, it his was lip so went weird. into his, his mouth. It was like, his, his face started to like, <laughs> Contort. suck itself into its it was I think so I looked weird. down to write something in my in my notebook with my chicken scratch because I can't see in the theater and I looked up and was like what the fuck happened to his oh face <laughs> yeah yeah uh but yeah so they're in the store they're getting medicine for the uh oldest son is he the oldest uh kid he's I thought she was the oldest she looks older uh so the son's name is Marcus her hmm. name is Reagan uh, we never, I don't think we ever we hear never, these I names. don't think we ever hear their names. I almost expected the credits to just have mom, dad, son, Oh, daughter. like mother? Yeah, like mother, where it's like man, woman. There uh, are a few times in this movie I thought of mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which isn't a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they're in a store getting medicine for Marcus, and then when they, uh, the, the littlest kid, Bo, I think is his name, mm-hmm. wants a rocket ship. He's, yeah, he sees a rocket ship on one of the store shelves, and it's a, it's a battery-powered rocket ship toy so he brings it over to his family and john krasinski freaks out and is like no man we can't so he immediately grabs it and takes the batteries out because it makes noise yeah and it would be too loud and it would attract whatever it is but on the way out reagan gives the the toy itself to the little kid i forgot that even happened yeah so that's and that's a huge that's a big big plot point because she gives the toy to him and is like, you can have this to, you know, she doesn't say this, but, you, you know, you can have this toy. And then she leaves. And then that little kid, that fucking little kid grabs those batteries. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, she doesn't put the she batteries. She does not give the batteries. Oh, so man. that's, yeah, so that's a big thing. Because a big theme in this movie is the relationship between Reagan and Lee, John Krasinski's character. Because as we learn from uh, Marcus, the, the son who doesn't get killed immediately. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, later on, he... He kind of is this mediator and he's like, you know that she thinks you blame her for Bo's death. And, you know, John Krasinski says he doesn't. I feel like he kind of does at least a little bit. Oh, man. You know, in in the halted responses of his. Because he asks, do you blame her? And Lee kind of hesitates just a a bit. Yeah. And he's like, no, I don't. And then. Marcus asks, do you still love her? And the response is immediate. immediate. Yeah. Like, of course I, I do. Yeah, I think that was probably a deliberate choice. Yeah. So I uh, mean, he's human. For sure. I'm. Uh, you, you know, this when movie, you... by the way, I cried through a lot of it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it is family guilt, like just, oh, man. A lot it of is, family stuff. It's, I mean, it, that's the central theme. It, it, it's just family stuff. Yeah. And. I think all those scenes where it's just guilt over what happened, man. Yeah. And like you said, he's human. When something like this happens to the youngest kid, which we'll explicitly spell out in a second, but 
you're going to replay that over and over in your head. You're going to wonder what could have happened to prevent that. And of course, you know, I'm sure we never see uh, the conversation where, oh, I gave him the rocket ship, but we presume that he learned that Reagan did give that toy. Yeah. If not the batteries, but still, of course, I'm sure part of him is thinking if she had just not given him that toy mm-hmm. because on their way home, they're walking across a bridge and it's a great fucking scene. It's yeah. such a good scene. It's so, so well good. done. Yeah, so they're walking back home from this pharmacy, and you realize they all have no shoes on. They're all barefoot. They're walking on, like, chalk? It's sand. Oh, okay. They're all walking single file, and they have, you know, you can tell that they've over, how how many days? It's, it's been poured? 89 days. Oh, 89. So they, they've poured sand out to make a path from this store to where they live so that they can walk barefoot and not make any noise there and back. And then the little kid with the rocket ships in the back. He's behind everyone else. Yeah, and I think it's a shot of John Krasinski when you first hear the rocket ship. Man, his that scene, I kept thinking about that scene today. So what happens is the little kid, you don't see him. You only see John Krasinski. It's, it's like a shot of him kind of leading his family. It's like a head-on it's shot. It's a close-up shot. And then you just hear this like... And especially because it's single file, you don't see anyone don't behind see him. Anyone. You just see him. All you hear is this crazy, like it's like a, it's like a toy, yeah, the toy rocket sounds, yeah, um, and they're so jarring because up till then it's just been basically silent. Yeah, because even though we don't know exactly why they have to be quiet up to this point, the the silence in the movie is so unfamiliar yeah. to us that uh, the tension is so high and the stakes are so high immediately that in the store when the rocket ship like fell off a shelf. And I think Emily I forget who Blunt grabs it. Catches it. Yeah, she catches it. But you like grabbed my arm because even though we don't know exactly, we have no idea. But you're so set up from the beginning that like you can't make any noise. Yeah, and it's so tense that you are immediately freaked out by anything that these characters touch or like get <laughs> nearby. So yeah, once it finally does create that, man, loud you hear that beat. rocket sound and my stomach just <laughs> dropped. It was such a good moment. And of then it dread. does a great thing by cutting to the daughter reagan and a lot of the times in this movie when it cuts to reagan uh we hear it's like point of view hearing yeah we hear like just room tone yeah so she she's wearing a hearing aid but it's from what i gather is john krasinski keeps trying to build her better ones because it doesn't quite help her here i think she can kind of perceive even like vibrations frequency you know like i'm i'm not really sure yeah we get we get the idea that it's not like a fully effective hearing aid. And she doesn't hear the rocket She doesn't hear. She's completely oblivious. So that adds to how awesome the scene is because, like, John Krasinski turns around horrified and then you see the daughter who's like, Totally oblivious. And then she turns around and they see that little fucking kid with that rocket, man. And then Krasinski runs to go save him or knock it out of his hand or whatever and it's too late yeah if some fucking thing comes some out of the woods thing. yeah so yeah uh the wikipedia article describes them as spider-like yeah they... I, I feel like mantis might be more pro they have like oh. kind of mantisy claws yeah uh yeah they're fast they reminded me of the cloverfield monster but way smaller yeah yeah they're yeah. little hunters they're little sound hunters mm-hmm and that's the cold open to the movie. Man, it's such a killed, good. That like four-year-old. <laughs> yeah. You know what? They kill a kid kill in a like kid, the dude. first five minutes. 
that's horror movie. <laughs> yeah. You're killing kids. <laughs> this movie's fucking serious, man. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so then it cuts to, after the opening uh, title, it's day 472. Yeah, our theater just <gasps> guessed. Yeah, so it's been over a year since this incident, and then we get to see them uh, living their lives. I was going to say best fucking, lives, but... No, it's not <laughs> no, their best it's not lives. Their best it's lives. their fucking miserable, quiet lives where they have to be afraid of everything around them. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah, I just yeah. had anxiety this whole movie. You can't fart in this <laughs> world. You know what I was thinking? One, Lucy gets real loud sometimes. Oh, yeah. She's dead. Lucy's dead. Lucy's dead. Because when we're sleeping at four in the morning and she decides she wants some food, it's just... Yeah. Rah, rah, rah. yeah. And she... So Lucy has... We call it it's rainbow toy. And it's just like this long piece of felt rainbow colored fabric that she drags around and she doesn't do this any other time she only does it with rainbow toy in her mouth she just like yowls until we pay attention to her it's so weird (laughs) she'd be dead real we're just looking at her like oh yeah uh i also had the thought of i love crunchy foods crunchy is my favorite texture in foods so like no tostadas yeah no yeah i'm not having a good time in this world I'm not having a good time in this world, man. I was thinking, I know everyone was thinking about how the mom and dad would have sex. <laughs> and I think we have that explained later. I was I, very I'm grateful. skeptical of your explanation. I think everyone will disagree with you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm. let's get into it. Okay. They go to, uh, later on, they go to a waterfall. Sure. And uh, so which, John Krasinski takes the son yeah. to the waterfall. I do want to talk more about the scene that comes before that because mm-hmm. I have a lot of feelings about it. I, I apologize. We're going to be jumping like all over the place. We're still processing this movie. But uh, John Krasinski takes the son to this waterfall because they can go fishing there. And the waterfall allows them to talk at a normal volume. Which it, is so jarring in this movie. It is. It was weird hearing him talk. Uh, another th- cool thing about this movie is it's all uh, American Sign Language. Yep. And which is awesome. I believe uh, Millicent, the actress, taught them a lot of you know how to how to emote how you know someone who is deaf and using sign language to communicate how you know they would feel in that moment and like what that would look like again that's why it's so cool to cast someone who knows what that experience is i think it adds such a layer to the emotion yeah and there was also talk again it's in the wikipedia article but in case you don't want to read it uh just about how the different characters sign differently and how like the father is short like survivalist to the point things and the mother is more expressive and like nurturing. And yeah. then the daughter even has like a kind of rebellious, like attitude esque signing, which is really cool. Like, I think that's great. But yeah. So when they're speaking in their, the full volume of their voice at the waterfall, it's, it's, it's like, really weird. It's weird. Cause yeah. you just heard them like signing and like barely whispering. Yeah. And the son freaks out. Cause this is first time at the waterfall. I think. Yeah. And, the dad has to explain it's fine you know if you're by a loud if you're by something that's louder than you you're safe which makes sense mm-hmm. i had that thought before they went to the waterfall um but that sets up a lot of what happens later is this idea that you're fine if there's a louder sound that's close to you so chelsea's theory is that these parents went and had sex by the waterfall yes <laughs> why is that a weird because because where are the kids they're at home. No, you're not leaving those kids at home by themselves in this world. They're going to make a noise I don't and get know. themselves they... killed. Babe, I think it's just, I think they're just going to have to have quiet sex. That's weird. It's. <laughs> I was wondering, and I, I think the beginning of the movie also sets this up nicely and answers this question. 
why are they having a kid? Yeah. So that's like the the first thing we learn uh, after that opening scene is... Yes. Emily Blunt's pregnant. Emily Blunt's pregnant. Immediately, I'm like, babies why? are wild. They're so noisy. How are you about to have a baby in this world? Yeah. What? But they're doing it, and I didn't exactly perceive uh, that they were setting up a soundproof room. Like, the kids are putting newspaper up on the yes. wall. Yes. And I didn't, that didn't click till later when they used that, mm-hmm. that they were trying to set up this soundproof fortress for this... The baby. Yeah, the inevitable birth. I, it's something I've already seen people nitpicking that, you know, why would they have a kid? And I get it, because I immediately thought that, too. Like, why? That seems like the worst thing you could do. But I think the beginning of the movie sets up, you know, you immediately have the death of their youngest kid. You have this guilt. You immediately understand that all these characters feel guilty about what happened. And I I truly think that that's their way of kind of filling that hole. It's also a thing that it's a question that comes up in in every dystopian post-apocalyptic setting comes up a lot in Walking Dead. Like, is it right to bring a kid into this world? And that's that's a question that's going to divide people. But some people do believe, yeah, we got to continue the species. Yeah. Like, like things are hard, but if we just give up, then that's going to be the end of people. And so that could be their mindset. That's never really... Yeah. Ex- that's not what this movie's about. You so know, it doesn't at, address at some it. point, you have to just accept, like, people are going to people. <laughs> you know, like, people are going to have kids in, in that world. Yeah. You it's know? Gonna happen. It, like, and it's going to happen. And... I think, you know, the pregnancy and realizing that she's going to have to give birth is such a great, you you just immediately dread knowing that that's going to happen at some point during the movie. And that sets up such a good feeling of fear waiting for that to happen. And I think the setup with them losing their son in the beginning makes that make more sense. Yeah. And that's why this movie, uh, as I said earlier, the, the number one theme in it is family. Yeah, for sure. Because I I wrote down a line that I figured was kind of like the thesis of this whole movie. Uh, I can't find it. But oh, yeah, here it is. Who are we if we can't protect them? Mm -hmm. Emily Blunt says to John Krasinski talking about their kids. Mm -hmm. And so much of this movie is based on like the family unit. Uh, Not only do they have this outside threat in the form of these apparently extraterrestrials as the Wikipedia article said? Yeah, they're aliens. I kind of got that vibe. Did you? Uh, yeah. I mean, where else? Are you know they what? Come it's from? weird. I I wonder if because John Krasinski's little like office office. I just his call workshop. everything offices. His <laughs> workshop. He's got newspapers all over the wall because he you can tell he's been trying to figure out what these things are. Like he's doing all this research. He has newspapers everywhere. And I will say that stuff's a little unsubtle on his whiteboard. It's like, like yes. defeat them. How? How weakness <laughs> question mark. Yeah. yeah. Um whatever. Yeah, whatever. The newspapers reminded me of War of the Worlds a little bit. Mm. You know, the, the the titles or the the headlines were like "Angels of Death come from." You know, it was yeah. very like uh, sound. They use sound. Yes, and like, you're on your own. Yeah, <laughs> like, they didn't feel like modern newspapers to me, and no. so I got like a War of the Worlds vibe. So I think I immediately got that they were supposed to be aliens, and I wonder if that was intentional. Okay, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, uh, but not only do they have that exterior threat but the only other people that we see in the movie are the old man and his dead presumably wife yeah and they're they're a threat they immediately 
present danger yeah. uh, to John. So it's like this, it's this family unit against all else there. At one point earlier on in the movie, Krasinski's up at like the, the fire beacon and he looks out and he sees a few other fires. There's like, so, so you can assume that there are other people living similarly to this. And I think that that also kind of set my expectations on that wider scale. I was like, Oh, are we going to see those? I think I had that thought too. Are yeah. We, gonna- we never do. Which, again, is fine. I just, you know, it's better to know that, I think, than yeah. to expect it and never get it. But, you know, thinking about it, why would we ever? Because it, even if their neighbors get the sense that something's wrong, like if they... So what they do is every night they light a big fire that's on top of a silo. And so they look out and they see all these other silos light up so they can see where all their neighbors are and stuff. And they're all pretty far away. Mm-hmm. Even if all their neighbors kind of get the sense that something went horribly wrong... What are they going to do? Yeah, they can't yeah, move. Yeah. They can't do anything. They're not going to like run towards it. You just have to sit there and wait it out. Mm-hmm. So I think it makes sense that we didn't see yeah, totally neighbors show up to save the day. I like the idea that they're there. I think that's a cool little touch of world building. Yeah. And it, I think it just uh, further is with that theme. And maybe I'm pulling it at this point, but just like it's this is a world where the family unit is now the most important thing yeah as opposed to a societal thing it's all about your immediate family members and those are the people you're protecting that's also a a thing that reminded me of it comes at night yeah um and i'm trying to think of other movies that do that where it's kind of you have a an apocalyptic event and immediately we retreat to what makes us the most comfortable and Mm -hmm. it's this idea of like very traditional mother father son daughter like they all have traditional roles because the world order has been so upset that it's like okay this is the one thing we can do to bring us back to what we know Mm -hmm. is to keep this traditional family unit so uh prior to that is just that scene that we see in the trailer the monopoly scene Mm -hmm. which i think is an excellent illustration of this world because all the plastic pieces have been replaced with little felt except the dice except the dice because you can't really have dice that are like knit this is such a nitpick okay this isn't a real nitpick but i'm just trying to get creative like what would i do yeah i would just make a little bag number one through six reach in the bag you pull out a number there you go chelsea but you don't have to worry about dice going on the fucking floor Mm mm-hmm yeah, so they're playing yeah. Monopoly, and then they, they spill over a lantern. Oh, my God. And it creates a big noise. And, uh, yeah, in the in the trailer, I'm like... Oh, I thought that was the big incident. I thought that was the big incident. inciting incident. So when it happened that early, I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, and that's <laughs> one of the best things, because, like, I hate it when trailers spoil things. And we see that the thing that, like we said, we thought was the big moment in the movie from the trailer just turned out to be, like, a hint of the threat, because that noise doesn't attract the the aliens uh krasinski is able to like put out the fire and they're all quiet but then again. there's so what the they, giant jump scare no i hate it <laughs> the raccoon so much because yeah. he's looking out the is window it a raccoon? i think it's a raccoon I thought it was like one or like a possum <laughs> they're like go- like gophers or something some they're very of. cute <laughs> they yeah they hear noises upstairs and then these fucking like wombats just fall <laughs> out of the the attic window or something yeah like while john krasinski's like, looking out the window and it's like wombat and it just falls onto the ground yeah and then that wombat gets got that will, yeah that's another thing i was thinking i was like animals are fucked yeah Can't they make an too much noise before. and then we saw yeah they're pretty fucked mm-hmm. uh so yeah that that was like 
that was like the the scene building thing. Oh, you know what? We also see uh, in this because this is day four seventy two, and the action takes place on day four seventy three. Okay. For anyone wanting to to follow that, uh, we do see Krasinski building the cochlear implant, which is yeah. pretty impressive. I'm assuming that his prior career had nothing to do with electronics. I'm assuming. Or I maybe think we did. get the sense that one or both of them were doctors. Oh or, yeah. Because I yeah, didn't think about. She I didn't has wonder. a blood pressure gauge. I had assumed and that that was equipment they had scavenged. Maybe you know, from knowing, the pharmacy or something. Yeah, knowing that like they're gonna need it later. But I mean, to know you're gonna need that, I I think you. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, and it, it never goes into it, and it the movie doesn't suffer for it. It's fine because either way, either he's an engineer or one of them's a doctor, or he just found a book about. There are, I'm sure there are books out there about how to make a fucking cochlear implant. And so he was trying to do it. I, if, if, if it's cochlear implant and we're just saying it wrong this whole time, I bet so many people are cringing every time we say it. In any case, we see him trying to build it. And I, I love that he's doing that. That's part of that relationship with him and his daughter. He won't let her in the basement. Uh, so she doesn't know. I forgot yeah. that she can't go in the basement. Yeah. And Man. when she tries to go in the basement, he says she can't. And he says, you know why? I don't know why. I mean, because there's a ton of shit you can knock over. I guess. <laughs> That's yeah. what I assumed. Yeah. 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 Uh, I assume that like none of the kids can go down there. Yeah. Because I don't think we we see the kids ever go down there. No, not until the end. Um, and the last thing in this, this day 472 is Neil Young. <gasps> hmm. Yeah. Because... Yeah, I was thinking, like, early on in the movie, I was like, oh, man, no music. Fucking headphones. Uh, yeah. Because he also was getting stuff for a radio and using headphones to try to uh, to uh, do Morse code just to anywhere to find signals. He never does. Yeah. But uh, Emily Blunt comes downstairs, and they, they dance to Neil Young. That was such an effective music cue. Yeah. I love that song. Oh, How do you not Harvest love Moon. that song? It's so good. I saw Neil Young, I can't remember if it was two years <laughs> ago now, um, like, just amazing yeah amazing you have to you have to sit through the the songs he sings about monsanto you know like midway through the show he does a lot of songs about gmos but then he'll (laughs) sing harvest moon and it's fine yeah yeah you just have to kind of clap for the the environmentalist songs and because he gets grumpy he'll just straight up leave during shows oh yeah you gotta yeah you have to like okay very good and then he'll just blow your fucking mind with harvest moon and you know man i'm so jealous you got to see him because we probably won't have him for too much longer he's getting up there he sounds exactly the same though it's crazy man he might be around for a while he might be one of those I hope so. He might be like a Willie Nelson. He smokes a lot of weed and <laughs> yeah, takes keep you pretty young. good care of himself, I think. So now it's the next day. And uh, yeah, like we said, she wants to go downstairs. He won't let her. And then he, um, so he and uh, what's, the, what's the little boy's name? Marcus? Marcus. Marcus. They're going to get some fish. Marcus doesn't want to go. I like how, I like how scared Marcus is. I know. Is. Marcus I is relate. a sweet little boy. I'd probably be I love the kids. You know, often in movies and in horror movies, it's easy to hate child actors. Mm-hmm. It's easy to hate the kids because they're dumb or they're annoying <laughs> or they're precocious. But these kids are so great and you want to protect them the yeah. whole time. <laughs> they reminded me of like uh, less annoying versions of the Jurassic Park kids. I thought of Jurassic Park. Yeah, there are a few a scenes where Jurassic Park gets, uh, you know, I don't know if it's intentional or not. I can think of two very specific scenes. Running through the, the crops with the flashlight? 
the little no. boy. Oh, that's kind of more Lost World, which you only saw the one time, but I was obsessed with as a kid. What are you thinking? I'm thinking of um, Grain Silo. The Grain Silo yeah. that reminded me of the T Rex and the Jeep. Um, oh, okay. It kind of reminded me of uh, the vents. And, oh. you know, where like the, they fall through the vent yeah, and yeah. you see Lexi's stunt double. And the, <laughs> and the other scene, uh, is Emily Blunt in the basement of the house and the, there's a creature in the basement it reminded me of the raptors in the, the kitchen. kitchen. Yeah. 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 So basically, basically a quiet place is all of the really <laughs> scary parts of Jurassic Park, but the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, these kids are, are great. You got little, little Marcus who doesn't want to go. And then yeah, this Ra- is the scene I was talking yeah. about. I think what I loved so much is that John Krasinski wants to take the son to learn how to fish and the son's never been to the river before. And he, uh, he tells the daughter that she can't go. She needs Even to, she wants, she to. really wants to go. Marcus doesn't, mm-hmm. but the dad just tells her, no, you need to stay here and take care of your mother. So he's doing that very, you know, it's, it's, you know, patriarchal family unit, really traditional, but I don't think that that's his true motivation there. And I say that because we see him trying to make these hearing aids over and over and over again. And he, right before that is the scene where he tries to give her a new one. And he's like, I really think this one's going to work. And she just gets mad because she's, she says, you know, they never work. And it's this really emotional scene. It was one of my favorites. The it's acting was the scenes, yeah. amazing. It was almost like a dance the way that they were communicating. Cause it's all kind of one shot and it felt, I don't know. I just, oh, that scene was just really, really gorgeous. But yeah, it was like give and take, like him. Like yeah. To, so he, so he isn't able to give her this new hearing aid that might work. So my thinking is he doesn't want her to come to the river because that's inevitably where he shows the brother that they can talk and they can make noise and hearing, you know, the dad's voice, I think mm-hmm. is something really big for that kid. And I think his real motivation there is not wanting her to come because she wouldn't be able to experience that. And I think that that would just kill him. And I think for her, it would just, you know, I think he doesn't want to do that to his daughter. Like his, his big plan is here's a hearing aid. Oh, now you can hear. Let's, Let's go. go to the and river I'll show and I'll show awesome you can thing. make sounds and you can hear me talk to you. Yeah. And I think he kind of, lies i think he he kind of dresses it up as this no no no, you have to stay home because you have to take care of your mother but i think it's this secret really sad motivate like i think that that's really tragic and especially tragic because it feeds into her perception that he that he doesn't, doesn't love like her, her but and... i think he isn't letting her come because he loves her so much and yeah. doesn't want to you know he wants her to be able to have that experience and doesn't want her to feel cheated mm-hmm and yeah i think it's really really sad their relationship in this movie is like so good really good and so yeah it's at that waterfall scene where like we said earlier the the son tells john krasinski like she thinks that you don't love her that you blame her yeah and he's like you should tell her that you love her if you do yeah Uh, which sets up for super heartbreaking man guys i cried so much (laughs) during this movie i was i was crying i'm gonna like cry while we record this yeah it's so good it's rare when a horror movie can get you to like cry, <laughs> even though the lead up 
to all of that is so scary. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Reagan, like, goes off on her own kind of as a teenage rebellion to, yeah. to visit Bo's gravesite. His, yeah, his little memorial uh, site. Cut, cut the sound off his rocket ship and put it there. Yeah. Uh, the mom's left at home. I like the shot of her doing laundry by hand right next to the machines that they can no longer use. Like, it was just a good illustration yeah. of, like, how... Oh, I didn't even catch that. Yeah, it was just, like, a little illustration of, like, how things have changed in this world. You mm-hmm. have these washing and drying machines, but you can't use them because they'll make noise. So, yeah. just got to do it by hand. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a little interesting. And then, um, <laughs> on her way upstairs with the laundry, the bag catches on a nail. Guys. That, in that moment, we're like, it's, it's going to make a lot of noise. So, we're all tense. But she gets the bag free the thing that it does is exposes the nail. Yeah, in so the plank. this like cloth bag catches a loot, like a nail that's sticking out of one of the boards of the stairs, and what it does is the bag kind of bends the nail upwards. Mm-hmm. So now this nail sticking straight up, and it's just this nail that you're waiting for someone to step on. Yeah, and <laughs> uh, now's a, a good time as any to to mention there is a score in this movie. There's music, mm-hmm. and uh, I I like it. It's mm-hmm. by Mel- uh, Marco Beltrami. Mm-hmm. Who has scored a ton of horror movies it, most notably probably the four scream movies uh he's worked oh, with shit, Wes really? craven a lot yeah okay. so he he did those uh the music in those movies yeah and i i saw krasinski said he didn't want to have it without any music because that'd be too much he saw it so he he said something like i didn't want it to feel like it was an experiment or like a gimmick yeah. a gimmick yeah which i i think was a good call great choice great choice because people are so familiar to certain um, language in in filmmaking while they're watching movies. There's just a certain language to how it's edited, how it's made, how it sounds, and to remove dialogue uh, almost wholeheartedly from the movie is already such a big decision. Yeah, you don't want to go overboard and also remove music because then yeah, it starts to feel like I'm in film school. I'm watching some some. Look at me deconstruct cinema. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. So I think that uh, was a good call. On good music part. there and. Sometimes that music is used very effectively, like in this nail reveal, where it's just like, I think it's like screeching strings. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, oh shit. Oh my it's God. a big deal. There's so many objects in this movie. They <laughs> set up as potential things that are just going to fuck everyone's shit up. You know, she's walking down the hall and they have all these pictures hanging on the I wall. Know. What are they doing? Take those pictures Take those down. down. They're even in in uh, the daughter's room when she's packing up her bags before she goes to visit her brother's memorial. There's like a lamp that's hanging on a chain that she keeps walking by. And I'm like, no, yeah. I mean, our apartment, we're always hearing little noises just from like walking around or like even when we're sitting still, little vibrations that like rock things leaning against the wall. You got to take care of that shit in this, man. Yeah. So they see that old man who is standing over the body of who I presume to be his wife. Yeah. She's dead. Uh, I don't know how it happened. I was confused by that, too. Did yeah. she get murdered by a creature? Or I don't did, think so. Did he kill her? Like, what's I don't up? Think that I, I, don't, I had that thought. I feel like maybe she just... I, I didn't get a good look at if there were wounds. She seemed bloody. She was bloody. Yeah. She, she was bloody. Yeah. I don't know what happened. 
Uh, I'm assuming he didn't murder her. Or maybe he did as a way of like, this is too hard. This is no way to live. Yeah. She's dead. And now I'm going to commit suicide. That could be. Yeah, we don't really know. It's pretty ambiguous. Yeah, but he just screams. Yeah, it's crazy. So they notice. And by the way, this dude scared the shit out of me. He just <laughs> kind of showed. It's a it's a little jump scare moment. It Yeah, again, it reminded me of It Follows. Just like random scary old person out of nowhere. Uh. But yeah, you see this guy get ready to start to scream and John Krasinski's like, no, don't do it. Yeah. And this guy yells. At the same time is when her water breaks. Yeah. The rest of the movie's just like. It's crazy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But this this movie's so good in that every little thing that happens is like a setup for later because like you got the son telling uh, John Krasinski which is now his character's name on, on yeah, this podcast. Yeah, John uh, he, Like, you should tell her you love her. And then we see this guy yelling as a way to commit That's suicide right. and attract That's these aliens right. to his, his position. And so that comes back later in the most powerful moment of the movie. Oh, my God. Uh, for sure. But <laughs> after Emily Blunt's water breaks... Uh, she she heads downstairs and that's when she steps on that nail, dude. Yep. And then she, and she drops, drops what she's holding. I some, think it was a picture. I think it was something glass. I don't know, but yeah, that shit's fucked from yeah. here on out. She turns the lights that like um, they have all over their their home and uh, estate their property. Yeah, there are lights everywhere, and she flips the switch to turn them red, which is an indicator to uh, the family members still out. Hey, this isn't good. Yeah. Because there's a thing in the house. Monsters and Christmas lights are having a cultural (laughs) moment. Yeah. So the lights are red and she has this cool thing where she sets an egg timer. Yeah. To distract the monster uh, with a louder noise. It kind of looks like they had a shelf of of emergency items. Yeah. Which is great. I love seeing that kind of preparation. And I had that thought too. It was like, you know, why wouldn't you just have something around you at all times that, and they do, they, you know, and even better is when, uh, Krasinski and Marcus see the lights, it's fireworks time, something that they have set up, which is brilliant. And I just, yeah, I love seeing these capable people who have prepared for, uh, possibilities and inevitabilities and how to deal with, for instance, this incoming birth. She's trying not to scream, which I've never personally given birth, but as I understand, it is a painful process. So it's probably quite difficult to not scream. And uh, Marcus has to like run off and set these fireworks off to distract the aliens. And it goes off like right at the nick of time and she's able to scream. And it's, it's so great. Mm-hmm. I just love that they, they have this set up. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so, but now they're separated. And yeah, it's, it's so it's so sad that I'm, from this point on, they're all kind of, they keep getting separated. I know. You it's know? exhausting. It is. Like, I just want them to be back together. Because Krasinski gets back home to Emily Blunt and, and finds her. Uh, not and in another tub, jump scare that I another, hated a little bit. Yeah, the red the red hand. She Yeah, he he goes in the bathroom and goes, she's one. not in the tub anymore. And there's blood everywhere. And he's like, oh, no. And then there's a big bloody hand yeah. on the sh- Yeah. That a was little- cheap because, like, they wouldn't have, she wouldn't have made that loud. Yeah. That wouldn't have happened, you know. That was a little bit of a cheap one, but whatever, John. Yeah. We'll give you that whatever. one. <laughs> uh so now John and Emily and the new little, little baby. baby, which I don't know how that baby's quiet at that point. Yeah. You know, I mean, I guess the fireworks were going off. Yeah. And then you can just assume he fell asleep. I don't know. By the time they they finished. Again, suspend your disbelief. It's fine. Yeah. And then they, they finally explained 
the whole time I was wondering, what are you going to do with that new baby? Because it's yeah, going to be crying. And then you realize, oh, they were showing you this whole time because you're watching Emily Blunt do all this weird shit with like an oxygen mask and stuff, yeah. which I'm like, I don't know what that's for. Whatever. Yeah. And you realize it's because they were making our theater, our entire theater laughed at this part, which I kind of enjoyed. You realize that she was making a box with it. There's an oxygen tank with like a hose to a little baby sized oxygen mask. They put the oxygen mask on the baby, put the baby down this box, and then just put this giant lid over this box. Like it's a soundproof baby box. It's a soundproof baby. And for some reason, and it made me laugh too. Everyone yeah. just started laughing. When that they're she like, slides "All right, the bye. lid over the baby, and like the the cries get quieter. The whole theater laughed. It was funny. Yeah. It was great. They put the baby in the soundproof box. Yeah, and they went down there in this like soundproof basement because he he pulls the mattress over the opening mattresses are good at uh muffling sound mm-hmm. and so so is that like beneath the basement i don't know you know what i'm not positive it might not have been in their house it might have been in like a garage i did have or, like, a little a bit of trouble barn. figuring out where everything was i think the soundproof little place that they were in was you know what it was definitely separate from the basement because it ends up flooding but then in the oh, end of the, the movie they're in the basement is, okay know? That's so what I, I. That's when I got a little confused. I think it might be in like a barn or a shed or a separate structure. I could have used a little bit. Like I, I appreciate when movies um, color grade locations differently. Oh, so yeah. if this, you know, soundproof basement thing was in a different building on their property, just some kind of visual cue would have helped because mm-hmm. I was really confused. Yeah, yeah. Whatever. The spatial uh, arrangement kind of screwed me up a little bit, but. It was fine. It was it was cool because we saw this soundproof room. And the, I guess the reason that they hadn't been using it this whole time is because when John Krasinski wakes Emily up later, she's like, it worked. They weren't sure if it would work. And it was like they were yeah. building it for this baby. And like, if it works, good. If not, they're fucked either way. So, uh, yeah, it, it worked. Mm-hmm. It was cool. But then when he goes out to go find the other kids, and this is when she's like, if we can't save them, what are, like, who are we? We have to protect the kids. Uh, he doesn't notice, which I thought was a little weird, uh, all this running water th- because the monster had apparently thrown a little temper tantrum upstairs when he couldn't find them. And part of it was destroying some kind of water line or whatever. And so water was flooding uh, through the floor and into that that soundproof chamber. Uh, so Krasinski goes out to save the kids who have since uh, gotten to the top of the silo. And again, we see the daughter strong in that belief of like, he'll come save you. He doesn't care about me. Yeah. Uh, which is just heartbreaking. And then he falls down yeah. into the grain silo. Yeah. Or corn silo? It's a silo. It's a grain silo. Yeah, it's a grain silo. Yeah. So they, so they originally go up there because every night they light the fire so that their neighbors all, I think it's just, it's checking in with the neighbors pretty much. Yeah. Oh, and previous to this, we see, oh, you know, there was actually an important point. Uh, not only do the daughter and son uh, meet up, but the daughter's hearing aid, it is shown emits a frequency that affects the alien beings. That's right. Yeah. We see, and this is, a, I think this is a cool thing is that we see the aliens kind of perspective uh, not like a first person thing, but we see what they're hearing and yeah. how it's affecting they're them. They're like heads so like cool. open up on the side and the sound in the Boring movie gets teeth. louder. And so we hear what they hear and we hear how sensitive their hearing is. Mm-hmm. But the, the daughter's hearing aid creates feedback when it's close enough. 
because essentially their ears are like giant microphones. Yeah. So the hearing aid creates this feedback when she gets too close and it makes them just tweak out and yeah. so it runs away and she has no idea there was one behind her at one point she, she had no know. idea but i think she suspected yeah because she heard the frequency because i think when they get close it causes the frequency to happen yeah i think she she knew something was up yeah because she's shown to be really smart very so smart. when she figures out by the end what she's able to do with the frequency from her hearing aid you know we've seen a few instances where she's like she's able to put together that that's what was happening the whole time yeah so uh, the sun falls through these like metal swinging doors into the grain nightmare. silo. The the daughter doesn't even realize it at first because she oh didn't hear God. it. She wasn't looking, and then she she sees down there, and then like yeah, you don't like the thought of drowning in grain, huh? No, because people die that yeah, way. Yeah, that happens. And the writers who originally wrote this, uh, did they uh, talk about that scene? Yeah, they. It's Scott Beck and Brian Woods. They wrote this uh, years ago, and. Um, Oh, I guess in January 2016, so a few years ago. Oh, they began working on the story in 2013. That's what I saw. But they included this scene because I guess they both grew up in Iowa on farms and because they knew that that was like a dangerous setting for families and people they knew. Yeah, people die that way. Yeah. Like often. I guess, yeah, because you can't get on top of it because it's kind of like quicksand. It's quicksand. You can't. So if you fall into something like that, like it's all, it's just corn that mm -hmm. he falls into. Which, by the way, uh, Krasinski had grown locally and paid local farmers for all those tons of corns that they used. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, that's a really cool thing, but that's also <laughs> the most hilarious detail. Do you remember when he made the that, like, fracking movie with oh, yeah. Matt Damon? We saw that in theaters. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they're in this uh, locally grown corn. Oh, my gosh. Lo yes. Because <laughs> the daughter jumps down there. They also have a metal door that they can get on like titanic style to, to yeah ride the so the grains. thing with being in 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 something like that and why people fucking die in corn silos every year i should i was i told you i was gonna look at the stats and yeah. i forgot to but um is if you if you move if you fall in you're just displacing all of the the grain beneath you so you just sink mm -hmm. the only way you can get out is if you just stay still and someone has to get you yeah <laughs> um so when they both were in there i was like yeah, you were freaking out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and they're, of course, they're making a lot of noise. So a creature winds up in there with them, but uh, saved by the hearing aid again. They're hiding underneath that that the metal door, sheet. Yeah. And he's like clawing through it, but the frequency is able yeah, to. Yeah, it's the door from off. the opening of the silo. It yeah. like comes off the hinges and falls Almost in. It's him. Yeah, when it falls down. Oh my down, God. Great scene. just guillotine that kid. Yeah. Uh, but the frequency drive drives the alien so mad that it just busts out the side of that silo. Yeah. Which is a cool image when we see it. And then finally Krasinski meets up with them and, uh, yeah, man, they get into the truck. They have this truck, uh, that again, set up earlier when Marcus was like, yeah, they're playing with it. This is a tight script. It is. It's, it's a, a very, very good script. Like I would love to watch it again to see the extent to which so much stuff is set up in the beginning. It's really cool. Like, there's yeah. nothing in this movie that doesn't have a point. Oh, this truck is is placed purposefully. Yeah, just in case. Just in case they need to make a quick, quiet getaway. Because what happens is the kids are in the truck, man. And the alien starts, like, coming at them. Mm -hmm. And Krasinski, oh, he was swiped earlier. So that's why he's not in the truck with them. He got, yeah. like, hit by it. Another thing people did point out in something where, again, I'm like, yeah, you know, that's a, that's a fair criticism is, you know, why isn't the monster able to just punch through the roof of that car? Because it, it wrecked. It wasn't? I thought it was. 
Um, I think it's having kind of a hard time. Oh, then yeah, that doesn't make sense because he we just saw he him just tear wrecked that, that silo. silo. I'd have to see it again, but yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, small. Uh, yeah. Uh, because the, the important thing is yeah, the thing I prioritize is the emotional payoff, which is insane in this scene oh, and the man, worst. Because Krasinski gets up and he sees his, his kids and he signs to the daughter, "I love you. I've, I've always, always loved, loved you. you." And then he he yells, he yells like He's the like guy in the primal did. yell. And to Marcus's credit, he knows that in that moment when John Krasinski yells, it's time to. Uh, push the truck into neutral. Neutral, so it rolls home. So it just rolls home because that was how they had it set up. Oh my god! I think you could hear people sniffling yeah, in the theater. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like such a. It's a very. Powerful it's a tearjerker, man. Mm-hmm. But they roll on back home and reunite with Emily Blunt. Mm-hmm. And- I think this is a scene where. Oh, we skipped over the the basement flooding and the baby the baby Moses. Oh yeah, <laughs> the very, yeah yeah this yeah. This floating basket with a baby, and there was a monster down there too. Yeah. That only ran away. Oh, because she like hides underneath. She the hides mini behind waterfall. some water. Again, something set up. Yeah, yeah. And, and then and the then the, the sun of... falls into the silo, mm-hmm. and that's what makes the monster run away. Yeah. This whole time we've been dealing with one monster. We see early on on John Krasinski's uh, plot point whiteboard that there are three confirmed in the area. Yes. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that that was the trajectory of all that. They reunite with Emily Blunt, and they go to the basement. Where, oh my uh, God. where the daughter James, I was crying so much. Well, when the daughter sees all the stuff that James, John yeah, the daughter realizes she she's in the basement and she realizes that the dad has made so many fucking hearing aids and like different versions of hearing aids and she just is like holding them and crying. Yeah, and she realizes how much her dad loves her. And I was crying so much. <laughs> yeah, and there's uh, so Emily Blunt has a shotgun that was we saw earlier. John Krasinski had, um, and then the thing winds up in the basement with them. But because this this girl is smart as a whip, yeah, she puts that implant up to the uh, the microphone and amplifies the feedback. And the yeah, which just, again, the microphone we had because John Krasinski was trying to radio. Yeah, and the the monster just like freaks out. And because on the whiteboard we saw that they have like armor. armor. Yeah, I saw some people were confused about this. Like, why does the feedback matter if she can just shoot it? The feedback matters because the feedback makes it tweak out so hard that it's it's like outer armor on its skull kind of opens yeah. up and it exposes like kind of pink pink insides like it's yeah kind of like demigorgons out so it's all and exposed and that's what emily blunt she's able to shoot which shotgun. you wouldn't be able to do if you didn't have it all like weird and exposed like that yeah so she so those two alien. working together are able to kill one of the and marcus was there too marcus yeah he was holding the baby <laughs> he was holding the baby which that's right. is interesting because that's such a reversal of the roles that we've seen this whole movie where normally you'd expect, you know, the girl or woman to be holding the bait, protecting the baby mm-hmm. while the maybe the dad has the gum, maybe the brother is doing it. But I think it's a cool reversal of that. Yeah. And it doesn't feel ham fisted. It's one of those things all. that I think I forget. I think it was Betsy on Horny for Horror pointed out how it's such an infuriating thing in movies yes. when there's a group of people and there's like a few guns and they give guns to the men and the boys the little instead boys of like instead the grown, of grown ass women. women. Yeah. That's something I never noticed until she pointed it out and then it made me so angry. It's, it sucks. But I like the I like that Marcus is, you know, it's he's not doing nothing. He's holding the baby. And yeah, because like that's his... We've con- seen the whole movie that he's kind of a, a, a reserved... Like more sensitive. He's And that's, that's, that's his, his role. I think yeah. he... Is naturally just, you know, 
for lack of a better, we're a little more maternal, and that's fine. Yeah, and then they see on the monitors. I I had mistakenly thought that it was like a giant swarm of aliens coming to them, and I was like, oh, they're kind of fucked. Even though, like, they get ready with the the implant and no, it's just the, the other shotgun. two. It's right? just the other two. So that gives me a lot of hope. Yeah, they could they could defeat these two, mm-hmm. and then be in the clear for a little bit yeah you know and then maybe you know finally be able to reach out to neighbors Mm -hmm. and then finally tell people like this is how yeah you know Mm -hmm. and i'm sure there are some people out there like well then let's have a sequel it's like you don't you can just you can just imagine that in your head i already saw articles of people telling like like john grzynski talks about it i'm like no we don't need if they made it i'd see it yeah but but you don't need it why because then it's just an action movie that's usually what happens with sequels. Yeah, it could be the aliens to this alien. I guess. I don't know. I just think a lot of the fun is gone if you know how to defeat them. And then, I mean, admittedly, it's kind of cool to have a movie where it's the mom and the daughter just like <laughs> blowing away all these I imagine aliens, a Mars but... Attacks type thing where they're ro- <laughs> rolling around with like a speaker uh, in a car and just like amplifying yeah. it. Wasn't it. Was it Tom Jones who was destroying the Mars Attacks aliens? Or did you not make it that far? I might not have made it that far. I think I tapped out. we started watching we that s- movie one time mm-hmm. and uh, you, we, it's not good. I had never seen it because the aliens scared me so much. Mm-hmm. Ah, 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 I ah. hate them. And we-, <laughs> we, so I was like, okay, it's what I want to see. I've seen like every other Tim Burton movie. Let's just mm-hmm. do it. Um, Couldn't do it. Tapped out. We started out. late. We did, but fair. it also was very but bad. But it's not that good of a movie. <laughs> I want it. You you think it's fun? It's, it's not as not fun as it fun. pretends to be. Although you get Jack Nicholson though. Oh, I was gonna say you get real young Jack Black, but yeah, you do have Jack, Jack Nicholson, Nicholson playing two roles, playing two roles simultaneously, not giving a fuck, but also giving like an incredible scene chewing performance. I don't quite understand that, that balance, he, but like, yeah, yeah, he's the best part. All right, well that's. A Quiet Place. Yeah. Out in theaters now, uh, directed by John Krasinski. I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I've got to commend them for making a really good PG-13 horror. That's right. I didn't realize it was PG-13, PG-13. until on the way into the theater. Mm-hmm. And I saw that, and I did not... It, it didn't make me pause. I was yeah, like, me either. that makes sense. It's it's. I don't I don't expect a gory, crazy horror movie. This is, this is one that works super well. Mm-hmm. Exactly how it is. Could you see, with the precedent of Get Out from last year, could you see some award nominations in this movie's future? It's, I hope so. It's got like a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm worried that it'll rated. be overlooked. Same with Annihilation. Why? Because they're early release? Because they were a little earlier. Get Out came out in February. That's true. Yeah. I'm, I'm hoping, at the very least, that it wins all the sound design awards. Yeah, both those movies should at least be nominated. Yes, for, or in score. Awards. But I would love to see this movie get some uh, get some love and just keep that keep that you know ball rolling of getting this genre uh, respected. Yeah, as it should be. Mm-hmm. But yeah, thank you for joining us for this uh, extra long. Fuck, I should edit <laughs> this, man. Extra long bonus podcast of A Quiet Place out in theaters now. Uh, make sure you do all the podcast stuff, rate and review us on iTunes, on whatever podcasting app that you uh, listen to us through. Mm-hmm. You can find Dead Meat on social media, of course, on the YouTube channel, Dead Meat, and on Twitter and Instagram at Dead Meat James. Chelsea, where can they uh, find you? I'm at Carebeck, C-A-R-E-B-E-C-C on Twitter and Instagram. And if you want merch, we have merch, uh, deadmeatstore.com. That's right. We got uh, t-shirts, we got pins, we got stickers. Um, if you want to follow me personally on social media, it's at James A. Janice, Instagram and Twitter. That's more political. 
avoid it if you don't want that. And other than that, I think that's covered all the bases. It's hard to keep track with all yeah. the podcasts. Um, coming Tuesday, review Maximum Overdrive. Oh, that's right. Again, there won't be a video for it, just audio, but it's but very, we'll have, very fun. We'll have movie clips in that one, right? I, I think I'm going to throw some movie clips okay. in there. Yeah. Obviously, we can't do it with a movie out in theaters, and I can't do a kill count on this movie that just came out in theaters, so please don't request it anymore some of you already have <laughs> but uh yeah tuesday's maximum overdrive watch the movie if you can yeah please it's a lot of fun it's just it's a cocaine fueled nightmare mm-hmm. <laughs> but yeah until all that i'm james i'm chelsea it's been the dead meat podcast <laughs>